Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. But um, we've been on this Heart for His House series for a few weeks. And the last couple of weeks, we were speaking about sacrifice, the power of sacrifice. And I'm moving on this morning to some other aspects of that. I'm really excited about this um, series on, on the heart um, because I think that, you know, our heart mirror, you, you know, what's in our heart is mirrored out there in our lives to other people, whether we like it or not, or whether we know it or not. And the title of this message is The Building Inspector. Okay, now it could have been called um, The Day That Jesus Got Mad, but I decided to say, no, this, the title is The Building Inspector, and it all will become apparent um, in, in just a moment. But you know what? Um, quite often, you know, it's, inspections are something we very often dread in life. You know, I remember once we had a, a VAT inspection a long time ago when we were in business, and it was the worst thing ever. And if there's any VAT inspectors sitting in the building, I don't want to be nasty to you. But sometimes I think they're trained to be quite um, uh, brutal, <laughs> is the right word. They want to get to the nib of the matter. They want to see all the figures and all, everything, and have you paid the correct VAT? And so inspections, I think, are something that, as people, we're, 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 we don't really like them, you know, to be inspected, to see what's going on. Can I see what you're doing? And uh, I don't propose that, you know, that that's definitely not my place, but it is the Holy Spirit's place. It is his place to see and to look into our hearts and to see what's going on. And so um, that's kind of what this message is going to be about this morning. And I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Um, I was reading this book called Gentle and Lowly. And sometimes I think, you know, my view of Jesus is meek and mild, loving and compassionate, you know, um, gentle and lowly. That's a great um, picture to have of Jesus, how sacrificial he was. But what can I learn from the times when he was angry or displeased or, you know, pretty, pretty mad? And I think sometimes do we just take these situations um, where we read about this in the Word and file them under Jesus was having a bad day, you know, or that was very unshepherd-like behavior. And if you actually look at, if you actually went to that file, it would be quite a fat file, actually, because there's many times when Jesus, when his passion was stirred and he was clearly, you know, quite annoyed, amen? And so I wanted to have a look at a couple of situations where the state of Jesus' being, so the, how his heart was moved and stirred, reveals his deepest intentions for his household. And that's what we're on now, hearts for his house. And we said, this is God's household, the household of faith. You take it all right back. We are all individually dwelling places for God's, for God's glory, aren't we? For, for having his life in our hearts, amen? So I wanted to use a couple of scriptures which will help us to place Jesus' position in all of this. So would we all agree that um, God is the builder? He's the master carpenter. And, and without him, 
Nothing is going to get built that's going to last. So he is, he is the builder. No matter how talented we are, how gifted we are, how skilled we are, our works will be wasted unless the Lord builds his house. Amen. So he's got to build it. He is, he is the source of wisdom to help us and guide us in building the house. And he says in his word that that is the most valuable building material. It's wisdom. Because in Proverbs 23, 3, it says, by wisdom a house is built. And by understanding it's established. And through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. That's amazing. You know, that the rooms of your building and everything that you're, that's attached to what you're doing is filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And that's unlike any treasure, I believe, that the world can ever give you. And it all comes through knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Amen. So if we're going to build a house without, I, I, I nearly said our own houses, without his overarching presence in our life, without his plan, without God being involved, like I said last week, it's going to lead to houses that are desolate and empty. And you can have a mansion. You know, there's, it's one thing having a, having a wee cottage that's empty. You walk into a mansion that's empty. It's a different feeling altogether. Look, who built this amazing building? And I can hear my voice echoing back off the walls. It's, it's an eerie feeling. And so whenever we don't build according to his plan... If we, build a, if we build things for the, what I call, like to call the pseudo-gospel or for pseudo-kingdom purposes, that is, it sounds good, it looks good, it sounds a bit like what God would do, but it doesn't actually have God's heart right at the center of it, then we've just really missed it completely. Amen? And so um, this whole thing about building with him, and we can't, I was, you know, God, come on board and help us build. That's kind of like the wrong way around. We need to, we need to know what we're building, why we're building it. And it has to be, he has to be the source of that direction for us. Otherwise, we will just be building in vain. And in Hebrews chapter 3 from verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every, this is the key verse. For every house is built by somebody, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house if we indeed hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Amen? For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Amen? And it says there, interestingly, Moses was faithful as a servant in the house. And that's the key for us, is faithful serving. 
faithful serving. Hearts for the house equate to faithful serving. And um, very, I think this was mentioned recently, but the pathways, some people are still looking for purpose. They still don't quite know, what God, what have you. I may, you may have joined the church recently, come to know Christ recently, or you've been a Christian for, let's just say, decades, and you've never really, you've never really known, you've swayed between different ideas, and well, maybe it's this way, and maybe it's that way, and and I don't want to sound harsh this morning, but we can, we can sit in church for a long time waiting for the revelation of our purpose, but sometimes our purpose is behind the gate of serving. So you just have to serve first, whatever that is. And we've got great servants here. Some of them have got high-vis vests on. Some of them have got aprons on. Some of them have got kiddie puke on them all over in the back room and stuff like that. But we have great servants. But you'll you'll discover your purpose as you begin to serve in the house. Do you you believe that? And so, um, and I want to say that if Moses could serve, then (laughs) none of us are excluded. (laughs) Because he was an an old guy by by that time, and he had multiple issues in, in his life, but he faithfully served, and God, God used him to deliver his whole, the whole nation of his people. Amen. And sometimes we just, we're static. We sit in the house, and we're static for a long time, waiting on a prophecy. Now, um, prophecy, I, I was going to, I don't want to be disrespectful, but um, sometimes, you know, we'll wait for the prophet to breeze through, and then I'll, I'll get my word then. But that might, that might not be for a while. But there might be a prophecy in the house. And, but, and we're, we're constantly waiting. But just begin, take the first step. Amen. Um, Psalms 127, just backing that previous scripture up. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. We, we're not going to change... Um, you know, Kilwinning, Irvine, the three towns, Largs, Fairley, Glasgow. You know, we're not going to do that unless, it's, unless he is watching over, over it, you know. Um, and so he watched. We've got to say, Lord, this is every place on which our foot has trodden, you have given to us. Amen. So this, is, this city is here. This town is here to be won by us for you. Yeah, do you, you understand what I'm saying? If we, if we rise up early and stay up late, <laughs> um, toiling for food to eat, it's all in vain. It says, it says there, he gives sleep to those he loves. I love it when God says, do you know what? I'm, I, I, you get your rest from me. I'll give you rest. Don't, don't struggle and strive. And we're, we're really after simple Christianity. Just as the simpler, the better. Um, because we've had, you know, you can make things complicated really easily, really quickly. And um, so God will add on and he'll build. So don't, don't shove and push and, and jostle and heave to make, it's got to be the Lord building his house, amen? And so if we're going to assume to build our way, it's going to be futile, and I think that if you look around you, there's probably more burnt out, disillusioned people than, you know, through this f- 
pursuit of building something and it was futility. And their casualties of, I say casualties of the kingdom, it was never meant to be that way. It was never meant to be that way. But it, it, unfortunately, it's the truth. And, and, and a lot of these people, the, the word says that um, a bruised reed he will not break and smoking flax he will not quench. And so there are people out there that are in states of semi-brokenness and we can reach out to them and we can pray for them and we can, we can bring them back. Do you believe that? And I include our sons and our daughters in that. All of our loved ones, amen. So... Hence the reason we need the building inspector. We need the building inspector constantly. You know, it's like a building extension at home. Let's say you're building an extension. And at a specific stage, you're supposed to phone the council. <laughs> and the building inspector is supposed to come out and look at what you're doing. And he has, a, he has a wee look and he looks at your progress. And if he's satisfied with what you've done, you progress to the next stage. And then they come and they might say, do you know what, you've done that wrong, I'll give you a little bit of guidance. He's not telling you to tear down your extension. He's just saying your foundations are wrong. Can you change that and then carry on? Amen? Get back on tax. And sometimes we get far too far on without the building inspector's approval. We're, we're already, do you know what, I'm just going to see, I, I know that that was a wee bit dodge, but I'll see if we can just, let's just get the project finished, and then hopefully we'll get it signed off, you know, and you know what happens when you build your house on the sand, <laughs> you know, we were digging out at our house this week, and now we've got all the topsoil away, and we've got, we've got clay, and it's been raining, and Linda looked out, Linda says, we've got a pond, you know, and uh, I'm like, gee whiz, that's going to need a lot of windstone to firm that up and compact it down. So anyway, that's what he does. You know, in natural terms, I've seen it happen. There was actually a house in Kilwinning once. The house was finished, built, right to the apex of the roof, and it was uninhabitable. It didn't get a habitation certificate. Can you imagine how awful that must have felt to the person who built the house? And that's, we've got to look at this and, you know, think, do you know what? We need that habitation certificate. We need to know that this is a place fit for habitation. So we need the building's inspector's approval, amen? And so I move on now to how does, well, how does that all tie up with what Jesus' heart and his passion is for, for us, for his household? And I want to read from Mark chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, who still brings a Bible to church? Praise God. All right. I've got Bibles going, by the way. If anyone needs Bibles, we've got Bibles. Bibles you can mark up and everything. You do it, you know. Use, use the book. So we've got Bibles if you need a Bible. If you're happy on, if you're, a digit, if you're a Gen Z, digital native, and you like your digital Bible, that's also okay. But, you know, you can't give your phone to your wains one day and say, you know, there's my Bible because it might be obsolete by then, but you can give your Bible to, your, to, to somebody, a friend or someone, isn't that? What a great thing to pass on, amen. Mark 11 from verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts and he looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he, he went out to Bethany with the 12. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry 
Seeing in, a, in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. So he kind of just cursed the tree. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. I'm sure this is a familiar scripture to everyone. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he wouldn't allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers or, or thieves. Ah, well, you know, you meditate on those scriptures, you could meditate for a long time. And I was interested in verse 11. And I can imagine Jesus, he's come into Jerusalem, he's had all the stuff that went on in the morning, and now he's, he's walking around Jerusalem, he's walking in the temple precinct where the temple courts are. One day, people, other people will be walking there soon. That's a bit of intrigue for the end of the service. Um, he's taking, you can you imagine Jesus, he's taking his time. He's being very deliberate. He's carefully looking. He's fixing his gaze on everything that's going on around him, particularly in the temple. Amen. He's noting the condition. But not only is he looking at the condition of the area and how it's been kept and everything else, he's taking note of the atmosphere. He's taking note of the atmosphere of this sacred area. Amen. So that that really I kind of think here's Jesus inspecting He's having a close look at what is going on. He is getting personally involved with this place, the temple. And um, so we go on, if you go on to the next verse, and we, uh, uh, you know, we, we, he leaves, he goes back to Bethany, and he comes back the next morning. You get the impression that Jesus woke up in a bad mood. <laughs> okay. Maybe because of the events of the night before. And you think, you know, no doubt his spirit was grieving over something on the way back into the city. And the following morning when he gets here, we get a foretaste of what's to come. Because even before he gets to the city, it says he was hungry. Okay? And he sees, he must have been pretty hungry because he sees a fig tree away off and he sees that it's in bloom, and he, he naturally thinks if there's leaves, there'll be fruit. And he goes there, and he has this hunger. He desires the fruit of the fig tree, but he's going to be disappointed, okay? And the word says it wasn't the season for figs, and so I couldn't understand why would Jesus be mad about this. But I know there's Bible scholars here that will probably put me right, and there is actually a few differing opinions on this, but the fact of the matter was there were no figs on the tree. And 
I remember from a while back, I, I, I listened to a teaching that said, although the tree had all its leaves, it was kind of masquerading as a fig tree, but there were no figs on it. So it really, really ticked Jesus off, you know. And, um, you know, this, this leads into his day getting even more intense. You know, he's just cursed the fig tree, and then he goes, by the time he gets to the temple traders, he's probably as mad as anything. And he goes in there and he clears them out. Now, it wasn't unusual for Jesus, and it, hadn't, it was known that he'd form a whip, actually, and he drove people out with a, with a whip. And so, mm -hmm. and so there he goes. So, but, you know, he sees, he sees, you know, these temple traders, they're like, well, hang on a second. We're, we've got a good reason to be here. Because, you know, when all the people come, they've got, because remember, it was Passover. And when the people come, they've got to pay temple tax. And some of them come here and they've got different money. It's different to ours, you know. Now, we all know what that's like. If you, in the, in the days gone by, you went down to England with a one pound note, you were done. There's no, they would don't, it's like, sorry. Yeah. No habla inglés. No habla ecose. <laughs> and so they're saying, no, we're here, we're here, and um, it's necessary for us because all the worshippers need us because, you know, we do the animals, we do the animal thing and we, the sacrifices thing and the, we've got all this stuff and we change the money and we do all this. But Jesus wasn't really angry with them for being there to um, facilitate what the temple needed. He was angry that they were taking advantage of the people by, the Bible calls it usury. They were hiking the prices up. And they were putting, they were making massive profits off of God's house. And that is why I believe he was really incensed. So Jesus, the building inspector, is not only concerned about if we're doing God's word, God's work, sorry. He's concerned about why and how we do it. He's concerned about our the motive and the execution of the motive. That is what he's concerned about. And that is why we need him to come. We need to give him access to invite him to inspect our dwelling places and the places where we say, Lord, you can come and dwell here. And we always say this, you know, we've got to make God feel at home, not grieve his spirit. So the atmosphere we create is important, isn't it? Amen. And so, you know, Jesus then makes a notable statement. And I, this, I believe, reveals the passion of his heart. And I think it tells us what Jesus considered the number one priority for his house. And what would that be? Because this is his statement. Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer? He's just busted the place up and flung people around, uh, tables around and chased people out. And what is the first thing he says? What, you, know, you know, you say, oh, many a words, uh, uh, you know, we speak a lot of words in anger, but we don't really mean them. You know, uh, you know I was just, the red mist came down. It was in a rage. I, I, I don't know about that. Jesus was at his most passionate moment here. And the first thing he said was, 
my house will be called a house of prayer. I'm like, that must have been Jesus' heart. That must have been his heart. Amen? Passions run high, and we think, you know, we can say whatever we like, and, you know, our words can be excused. You know, they were never really designed to offend or harm. I don't believe Jesus ever spoke an empty word. I believe every word Jesus spoke in his entire time on earth with people was an arrow that found its mark. He never spoke an empty word. And the Bible says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so he was, you, people, oh, well, he was just angry. He was, he was putting his house in order. That's what he was doing. Amen. And that's what's coming, that's what's coming through. The atmosphere of the house is the aroma of prayer. That's what it should be. This is a place, this is a place for calling on the Lord. Call to me and I will answer you. If your living room is your, is your, or your closet is your quiet place for devotion, that is the place where you call on the Lord. When we're corporately together on a Wednesday morning, we call on the Lord. So why do we need instructed on housekeeping? Why can't we just do whatever? You know, we're, I'm helping the church. I'm facilitating what we do here. Everything's, everything's good, right? No, we need instructions on housekeeping. We need instructions on how to build the house and to keep the house for the purpose for which it was intended. And to, to bring this message to a close this morning, I want to just share some points on that. And one of them is, and you can look at the, the letters that Paul wrote especially to Timothy, they were very pastoral and he's giving them guidance. And they're basically outlining, listen, this is how you be a part of God's household. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, urge then, first of all. Okay, so Paul is saying to Timothy, first of all, petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all of those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Because this is good. And it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Amen? First of all, so how do we, how do we keep God's household how do we keep our own household? The root of everything is prayer first. Prayer first. Prayer first. And I know there are prayer people that love prayer in this church, but it's prayer first. Amen? Yes. You know, so we're, this aroma of prayer, the, the Bible actually does use that as in, in a scripture. Read it just now. But the Bible doesn't call the house a house of preaching. Or, or it does, preaching happens, teaching happens, music happens, community activity happens. I love all those things. I love community activity. I love all of that stuff. They're good, but they can never achieve more than prayer. The first priority of the house is prayer. Amen. Amen. And so many church, churches have been born in prayer. You've been saved today because of prayer. Amen? But isn't it ironic that 
things that are born out of prayer, they grow and become complicated. And prayer flounders. And so what was once the birthed out of prayer, ironically, prayer diminishes as it grows arms and legs. And that's why I say we keep church simple. Keep, keep faith simple. Um, we were at a wedding reception last night and uh, some of, some of um, my family, are, I love to bits, um, but when they have a wee bit fadun water, they, 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 their tongues are liberated. <laughs> so I got, a, I got a potted history of Kilwinning and all its, and all its horribleness last night. I'm like, I'm like, do you know what? It's not, I won't mention his name. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. At towns and people can be turned around. Amen. And so, um, prayer, is, prayer is the heartbeat of the house. And, 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 Jesus, and, and, and we'll be convicted of that. When the building inspector comes around, you'll know my prayer life has tailed off. You know, and, and can we not have, could we get to the place where we're like the apostles? They've been arrested. They're getting beaten up. What are the first thing they do? I want to go to a prayer meeting. Let's have a prayer meeting. You know, we've just been carted off and we're, uh, they're going to gonna abuse us. Let's have a prayer meeting. <laughs> so when, we're in, when we get into that, that, that I, lo- I love what Pastor Tom Ingalls, our friend, says, not only a lifestyle of worship, but worship and prayer that flows. You know, when we are in that place, we won't be stopped by c- complicated, difficult situations. Even if, even if it's bodily harm that's involved, the enemy will try and discourage you and he'll use whatever means possible. And so in 1 Timothy 2, it says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or dispute. This is the sign of a Christian church. And you know, we're talking about the, 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 the importance of the aroma of prayer. I want to read this in Revelation 5, 8. And Pardon me. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one of them had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. (laughs) Golden bowls of incense. They're the prayers of God's people. These bowls contain the, the incense that is fragrant, to Christ, our prayers, the prayers of the church, the prayers of the church, of any church that prays, okay? We're not exclusive. We understand that. God will put things on our heart to pray. He'll put things on other churches will pray. We're, like I said, we're all in different parts of the mission field, but we've got our mission here. We pray into that. And so, to close off, Hebrews 4.16 Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And that's our hope and our prayer that every time we meet together that we've met with God and we've we've felt his goodness, we've felt his love and we can leave here knowing that. You know, we appreciate the worship 
We appreciate, I'm sure we appreciate the message. We appreciate the hospital. We appreciate all of these things. But have we reached his nostrils with the fragrance of prayer? Have we, got, have we done that? And so that is, that is the message for this morning. I pray that it, is, it helps to build you up and encourage you and to, to take us back into prayer time um, more so than ever before in the days we're in. So praise God for that. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.